Welcome to Tales for Teaching, a podcast where we explore stories with purpose in higher education. We'll share expert insights, engaging interviews, and thought-provoking discussions that will inspire your teaching. On behalf of Deakin University, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the unceded lands and waterways on which you were located. I acknowledge the Wadawurrung people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional owners on which this podcast was recorded, and I pay my respects to elders past, present and future. My name is Joan Sutherland, and this is Tales for Teaching, brought to you by Deakin Learning Futures. Welcome to today's episode of Rethinking Digital Writing, How AI is Changing the Game. In this episode, we'll be delving into the world of AI and digital writing with our special guest, Lucinda McKnight. Lucinda is an expert in the field of using AI in digital writing and will share her insights on the ethical considerations surrounding the use of AI in writing and how we can ensure that the technology is used in a way that benefits students. Welcome, Lucinda. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Thank you for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. Um, Just get us started. Can you just tell us a bit about your role and your research on digital writing? Sure. So I'm an Australian Research Council Fellow in Deakin University's Research uh, Institute for um, Educational Impact. And so I am researching digital writing, especially in secondary schools, in secondary English education. So I have a three-year Commonwealth Government-funded Australian Research Council funded project where I am just exploring what teachers think digital writing is, how the nature of writing itself is changing and um, where we're going to go with this in the future. So as you can imagine, I started this about a year ago, this project, so I'm a year into it already and I spent last year trying to interest people and and the year before (laughs) trying to interest people in AI writing um, and AI writers and then People were not terribly interested. I think that COVID has meant that um, some some really big developments in the world have been on the back burner in some ways. But now ChatGPT has arrived and mm. everyone's interested. So here we are. And ChatGPT is just one tool, isn't it? You talk about AI as a concept, I suppose, and different tools associated with AI as well. That's right. So in the past couple of years, I've been playing with lots of these different AI writers. So Mm -hmm. people may not understand, but, you know, an AI writer could write your essay for you or write your research paper for you or whatever, even, say, you know, two years ago or so, human quality text that maybe needed a little bit Mm -hmm. more tinkering from a human to really polish it up. It it was already being produced. So what ChatGPT has done is put a chatbot kind of um, talking to you interface on that service. Mm -hmm. And that's generated a lot of interest because it's more accessible to people, I suppose, for them to understand it as well. Yeah, that's right. It's more accessible, Mm. but also I think it's caught people's imaginations and it's made Mm. them, it's really enchanted them and made them feel like they're talking to a person. Once once there's this real anthropomorphizing of this IT and imagining as a person you can actually relate to, all of a sudden it becomes very compelling, I think. It does indeed. And we're seeing that a lot in education as, as we speak. So I suppose you talk about um, bringing English and literacy skills into the 21st century um, since the world is digital. How can educators teach digital, digital writing to our future students with your work in secondary schools? 
Yeah, and I'll, I just at the outset, too, I want to say that this is relevant to tertiary education as well. I think mm-hmm. it's a shame we've got such a hard boundary between our sectors because the whole mm-hmm. idea of writing and teaching writing and doing writing and authentic writing and digital writing, it, it runs all the way through, right through primary, secondary and, and tertiary and then into industry. So it's really mm-hmm. relevant in a whole lot of different ways. So how how do we teach digital writing? Well, mm-hmm. I, I'm working with a model that talks about three different dimensions of digital literacy or literacy in general, operational, cultural and critical. So how do we actually use it? How how would we use ChatGPT? What's what's a really strong prompt to put into one of these AI writers that produces the kind of writing you you want it to do for you? And I don't know if you're aware, but there's a whole industry that's sprung up already in prompt engineering. engineering. Pay for good prompts to be written for them. Um, so that there's operational, then there's cultural. How would we use these things? So how are journalists and poets and writers and people out there, how are they actually using all these really great AI-related um, tools or services in, in creative kinds of ways or productive and effective sorts of ways in their writing? And how can that be translated through so that the writing that we're doing in school or at uni is meaningful, it's like writing in the real world, and it, it looks at maximising the potential of these things. Plus, what do we have to keep in terms of what you might call old-fashioned writing or fundamental writing skills, what still needs to be taught? Because if writing, learning to write and learning to think are intimately interwoven together, then mm-hmm. what, what do we still need to teach? And how if we want to become experts at working with these AI tools or doing this hybrid kind of writing, human AI writing, what do humans still need to be able to know and to do? Now, critical is, is about, well, hang on a moment, what, what does this all mean? How much is this service costing? Who trained this uh, service? What, what was it trained on? Did it have copyright permission to use all the materials out there on the internet that it read to be trained to learn to become an AI writer? Um, what are the sort of ethical implications of using these things? How can they be weaponized or how can they share disinformation at, at scale, at massive proportions? So all of this critical sort of dimension has to be a part of the whole picture of learning about digital writing as well. You mentioned earlier around making it meaningful as well from a digital writing perspective. Can you expand on that a little bit more? I think meaningful is going to be a term that's going to be used a lot in Mm. the future because AI doesn't really know what meaning means. So Mm. humans, humans understand context. They understand Mm. audience. They understand who they're actually writing for. They have a rhetorical purpose. They know what they want to achieve in the world. So, for example, we have a national assessment, standardised assessment program, NAPLAN, which Mm. asks students to do meaningless writing, just gives them a prompt like, here's a box, write a story about it for no purpose and no audience. So that kind of writing, I think, is dead in the water. Mm -hmm. Um, We need to be requiring students to do human writing that has or even if it's hybrid writing with AI, humans need to be able to bring those skills of creativity and empathy and the things that humans are really good at to to the table. We're definitely going to see a rise in the need for creativity, aren't we? And it's just different modes and uh, AI is just one mode that we can use to help with that digital writing. 
I know you've been in this space for quite some time now. So can you explain a little bit about how digital writing has evolved with the rise of AI, given that it's been around for some time? Sure. And that's a really good question because I think some people don't realise that these AI writers like ChatGPT are really just an extension of predictive text. Mm-hmm. They just predict what instead of what, what you know, a couple of words, few words or a little phrase that might come, come next, they predict much more, much more lengthy text that might come next. So you've already been using this predictive text on your phone, in your emails, all that kinds of things. So digital writing has been evolving ever since um, you, I would say the early 1990s when um, the Windows interface made writing in, in things like Microsoft Word so much more popular and taken up by people. So already from those early days, we were using things like spell check and more recently grammar check and programs, things like Grammarly. All of these mm. things are components of digital writing, writing with, with a machine or robot kind of assistance, so to speak. So with those different uh, types of technology, with AI specifically, what are the benefits of this technology in terms of creativity and originality, given you just mentioned around the different dimensions that you, can you expand on that a little bit? So I think that this uh, chat GPT, for example, is a fantastic brainstorming tool. You can Mm -hmm. say, you can ask it, come up with 20 ideas for whatever. And it will it will come up with lots of ideas for you to think about and evaluate. And then you you can also ask it to evaluate the ideas, give it some parameters um, and ask it to come up with rationales for different things. So you can play with it in a dialogical, a dialogical sort of way. It's like a partner you can be working with and testing out ideas with and exploring ideas with. You can ask it to um, come up with, you know, three different Um, plans for writing an essay on something after you put some ideas into it maybe um, some basics of ideas and then you can decide yourself you can evaluate well which of these three different ways is better and this is something that's talked about a lot the the idea of bringing evaluative judgment because only humans can really ultimately decide what quality is as Margaret Behrman um, in Deakin's Cradle Institute always Mm. says so (laughs) yes Humans can do this kind of work. And then and then you can use it in all sorts of different ways. Honestly, I the number of really exciting, fabulous sorts of things I've seen. There, mm. there are people writing plays and performing plays with AI as one of the characters in real time. There are poets carving poetry out of AI written text as it appears on the screen. There are artists and all sorts of people working with um, images, you know, content. AI content generators that will create images. There's that great opportunity to work multimodally in writing, thinking about writing as composing with images and sound and text. Oh, I could go on and on and on, as you can hear, but I better stop. I'm excited. I want to go and play with some of these now. Um, what I'm hearing, and I've heard this a lot lately, is everyone got excited with the chat GPT, and I hear what you are saying earlier. And now it's around that evaluative judgment and that critical thinking side of things. How do you teach that so people are using different AI tools effectively, essentially, and not just using it, um, popping popping in a prompt and generating an essay per se? Mm. Well, I think we have to look in the classroom at different kinds of prompts, different kinds of, so different inputs, different outputs, how they relate to each other, how we can evaluate what's good and what's not, 
Um, but I want to come back to the critical side of things too because there's also this idea about plagiarism and the fact that these things can be used for cheating and I think mm. that that's a major consideration on that critical side of things about ethical use of them. Um, uh, my prediction is that, and I, I think it's already the case, that really because they can be used in so many different ways in preparing a piece of, I don't know, an essay mm. for assessment, say, it, you can't disentangle the human and machine components. So in the mm. future, I think it will just be understood, like with spell check or, um, you know, a grammar check, that we we are all writing with these things. But for the moment, um, it's really difficult to work out how to ethically say, well, this I, I acknowledge that I use this prompt and I receive mm. this text this output and I use this output in this particular way. So we're we're at this sort of stage where we're wondering about how to do what might be called human badging of the text mm -hmm. and thinking critically about about ways to do this that that are, are fair in assessment circumstances. It's an important it's a critical point that you raise in relation to those uh, dimension and it does make me think about the fairness and equitable um, resources as well and where the data is actually coming from. So um, thinking about some of the key challenges facing teaching digital writing when working with AI, how can we overcome these obstacles to enhance the learning experience and empower educators to use AI when teaching digital writing? Well, I think the first thing that educators need is time they need time and access to these things to play with them to test them out to experiment with them and they they need to have that time for this extraordinary shift as a, a massive mm. game changer in the fourth industrial revolution they, they need to have time to be able to take this on board because otherwise I think people might try to put their heads in the sand and say, I just don't have time to deal with this. I'm going to go on teaching like I've always been teaching. But that's that's not going to cut the mustard because the sorts of tasks that were routinely set in the past are just all too easily done with AI and mm. perhaps even should be done with AI. Um, mm. Then also I think teachers need and all educators need a lot of support in terms of understanding the dimensions of what these things are, but also they're taking your data as you're playing mm. with the, the thing too. They're, they're taking your data away and doing things with it that you are not aware of. So, you know, when you when you sign up to ChatGPT, you're, you're entering into a binding legal agreement with OpenAI, the company that makes it, and teachers need time to be able to take this mm. on board and understand all of this as well so they can model ethical use of these kinds of tools for their students as well. It's definitely a great point you make in relation to the modelling and having time. I'm seeing a real need for a behaviour change as well and the motivating factor is there's so many tools out there and thinking what can I actually do with them? And Oh, it, it's something I do think about around the cost of tools as well. And this chat GPT is just one of them. And we think, wow, it's a free tool. Um, let's delve in and use it. But I think what's really important, there's always a cost to software or any tool that we actually use. And in this instance, it's your data. So um, being mindful of that and being aware of the terms of usage is a great um, message to highlight as well, not just for chat GPT, but anything that you're actually um, entering data into as well. Yeah, I think it's Zygmunt Bauman, the philosopher, has a great saying that if you're not paying for something, you're the product. Yes, 
<laughs> and that's totally true, isn't it? <laughs> so you've done the work that you've done, you've created a self-audit for educators using AI in digital writing. And there were three priority tasks that you highlight before using Chatbeat GPT specifically. Can you explain the importance of them before using AI in any educational context? Sure. Well, number one was actually reading the terms of use really mm. carefully and understanding exactly what they mean. And what a good example of that is that you you cannot or should not, must not input <laughs> copyrighted material that you don't have right to, you don't have a license to into ChatGPT. So, you know, mm. things like um, putting in um, things from national curriculum um, documents or anything at all that might be under a particular kind of license that doesn't specifically state it can be inputted into um, into one of these things, then you you just can't you can't use it. I think probably a good thing to think for yourself is, did I write this? When you're thinking about what goes into a prompt, did I write this? And if you didn't write it, then mm. perhaps no, a <laughs> big red flag should go up. So it's it's that that important. And from what I've seen so far, there are a lot of people just rushing to put mm. stuff in. And, you know, obviously this is one reason why we can't input student work into mm into these things because we don't own we don't own that student work and um, OpenAI can take that work they can take the IP in that work and uh, you know just share it around and do things with it that that we might not be aware of so we've got to be very very careful about how we use these things so we can once again model being careful about about them and modeling how important the terms of use are with all of these things as well. Just may, wish they made the terms of use so easy to read, like oh, very know. cumbersome. And <laughs> for everyone out there, the OpenAI terms of use are not too bad comparatively compared to some of those great long screeds you can have to, you know, read for days scrolling down. Yeah, just that you go, okay, yep, I'll just do it. <laughs> uh, the next one you have is educated considerations for ch chat GPT. Yeah, and I think number one there flows on from what we were just saying, mm. that it's not recommended to be used for marking. So a lot mm. of people, educators, have gone straight there, oh, this can mark things for me. Well, yes, mm. it, it could have a go at marking things for you. However, it's too crude a, a tool, and OpenAI mm. is really open and honest about this. They say mm. in their advice to educators that it should not be used for making judgments like that about students. It comes back to what we were talking about earlier and the idea mm. of evaluative judgment really resting with humans, needing to rest with humans. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's probably the most important thing there. But there are a number of other educator considerations too around the limitations of mm. things like chat GPT. For example, the finite nature of the corpus that it's trained on, the fact it's only trained up to 2021, and so it's going to be ignorant, so to speak, of recent developments that might be important. The third one you had was around advice for legal and ethical use of chat GPT. Is there anything that you'd like to highlight? I think we've probably covered it mm. to some extent, but I think that everyone using it needs to be uh, needs to be dealing with whoever in their institution is responsible for legal advice, for copyright advice, for all those sorts of things, and touch base with them about get, you know, get that sort of support mm. about anything that they have in mind for doing with it. I think don't don't rush in is 
is important and it's so easy to rush in oh. because um you know as you said I you just think oh I can't be bothered with that we, we've all been there we have all been yeah. there, I'm sure um with these things so yeah it's it's just so important to think about some of the larger dimensions and really focus in those terms of use on hang on up thinking hang on a moment this is this is actually not me using a, a tool this is an actual exchange I'm giving something away here as well as receiving something and um, having that at the forefront of people's minds there are different implications for any tool uh, isn't there and terms of usage is looking at if you look at the terms of usage there's definitely implications as you mentioned what you put in you're getting something out out of it as well so what where is that coming from what is it and how do you evaluate it as well so your research has highlighted digital writing. How will AI impact digital writing in higher education in two areas, content creation and assessment? Yeah, that is the big question <laughs> that everybody's <laughs> asking. It's huge. It's yeah. absolutely huge. But I think that Deakin University has taken a, an open sort of positive approach to thinking about how we, we will be using this for content mm -hmm. creation I think if we all acknowledge that it's being used out there in industries it's incumbent upon us as educators tertiary educators to be preparing students for the future therefore we have to look at how it's being used and be working with students on coming up with ways that that it can be used effectively um, however we've also got this great big question about assessment because when students are competing with each other um, mm. secondary school they're being ranked things like that what what is the role that these kind of um they're sort of augmentation machines really in a mm -hmm. sense they they augment what humans are able to do and if some humans are using augmentation machines and others are not how can it possibly be fair so there are very very big questions about about those things i mean one of the one of the things that's been touted is being more explicit about how you're using ai and um, being marked then on, on your effective use of AI. But it's really difficult because you sort of think with everything you think, aha, I could, mm -hmm. I could try and get around um, chat GPT, students using chat PT, GPT like this. And you think, <laughs> oh, for example, aha, I'll get them to write a critique of an AI written piece of writing. But then you think, hang on a moment, students could just put an AI written piece of writing into chat GPT and get it to do a critique. So it's kind of like every layer, because of its um, its dexterity and its ability mm. to do so many different things, uh, you think you have to think really carefully. I think we'll be looking at what Margaret Behrman calls grounding. Mm. We'll be looking at uh, so grounding means actually having to talk about real embodied experiences that you have in a in a unit or in a study, and linking them to readings and um, quotes from from tutors and all that kind of thing. Um, and that's making it meaningful for the individual, their own context and what that what that actually looks like to them and making it relevant, I suppose. That's right. So in a, in a utopian sort of vision or world in relation to this stuff, in, that, in the utopian version, that's the way we'd go towards more meaningful assessment, um, mm. more contextual, more embedded, more related to students' lives. But the more dystopian version, I think, is that we we go back to in-person, pen and paper type <laughs> exams 
as the only way to be really sure that we're actually assessing what people can do. But but the thing is, if that's not how anyone's writing out in the world anymore, then what what's the relevance and the meaningfulness of that if it's just a kind of empty hoop jumping thing for assessment? Mm. So it's huge. What I think that the questions that you've asked there about content creation and assessment are are the biggest questions really there for us. Yeah, they are. And I think they'll take some time and energy and just working out iterative approach, I suppose, to see what works, what doesn't as well. I just think that there's no, there's going to be no strict line that's drawn between, well, this is, this is where digital writing starts and this is where it doesn't. Mm. Because even things like making videos, writing scripts for little videos, little short mm. videos and stuff like that. I think of that as digital writing and that would definitely be being done in primary school. But I, mm. I also, I am very firmly committed to teaching handwriting and there's research that shows that there are cognitive benefits to using your hand to write as well. So I think that needs to continue in parallel. And then you've got all this digital side of things, which is using a Typing, fundamentally, <laughs> typing is the most basic digital literacy at the moment. And yep. then using word processes effectively, using those um, spell check and predictive text things effectively. And then we know that something like ChatGPT will be built into the next version of Microsoft Word. So if yes. primary school students are using any kind of word processor, it's highly likely it will have a writing coach built into it. So it will be how do you work with a digital writing coach? that's that's just on the horizon yeah I think what you're highlighting is the importance of uh, especially from an educator's perspective is looking at how you can model the effective use of these different um, components of AI but they you mentioned earlier that they need time to play and understand the different uh, types of AI out there and how they can actually put it into their own context. Is there any other suggestions that you have for educators out there that might want to know more about digital writing and how to enhance it in their um, space? Well, I think access to really good professional learning is important. So I think schools um, and, and universities have got to get behind supporting staff with, with money <laughs> and time to be able to go out and have that learning as well. So, um, you know, there are lots of people doing very exciting things already in this space and teachers are going to need to have time to be exposed to all of these new ideas. And, uh, you know, what we've just covered today together, only a fraction of all of the, the dimensions of this, the implications of this, the way it's evolving so quickly. So it's it teachers and educators need time to take their breath and they need to they need to also be aware that they they need to have the time to think deeply about all of this stuff because it is it is very significant i think it's a very significant shift a little bit similar to the arrival of the internet yeah. and what that did to research and um, sort of knowledge construction and understanding of what what knowledge actually is um, you, th this is just as big and we need we need time to come to terms with it the big evasive time that we we all need more of don't we but uh, I think it's definitely something that we all need to take a pause I think you mentioned take a breath 
and actually think about um, ways in which you can make a difference for yourself and build your own capability and knowledge in this area before just delving in and saying this is going to be one size fits all because we know there's so many things on the horizon um, but just having an understanding of AI and how it works in uh, the educational context as well. Right that's right so it's always as if every day the the implications of it are are emerging with um, Mm. the affordances of it and also the issues in relation to it as well so that that those two approaches that sort of creative and critical dimensions Mm. of it are really important moving forwards. So just as we wrap up this um, podcast, uh, just a question around your research. How has the, I know ChatGPT on different, there's been different versions of it, but the release into mainstream, I suppose, how is that, has that impacted your research that you spoke about at the beginning? Yes. So the first stage of my research was meant to be a national survey about digital writing, about how teachers were teaching digital writing. And it was meant to go out last year, but I ended up taking three months long service leave last year. And so the survey got delayed. And in the meantime, chat DPT (laughs) came out. So I feel as if I was incredibly lucky that I had that delay to my survey because even though it had stuff about AI writers written mm. through, all through it, I was already thinking and, and the, the testing, in fact, of the survey had shown the teachers didn't even really necessarily know what an AI writer was. Mm. However, now, now. <laughs> I'm about to do the survey um, when it gets through its, its ethics um, process, then, um, you know, it, it will be completely different and it will be, although it would have been interesting to have a pre-GPT, pre, sorry, it's all, it's all tangled up. It, it would be good to have a pre-chat GPT sort of ground zero type, what what were teachers, where were teachers at with digital writing beforehand. Mm. I think now it will be a much richer survey with much mm. richer data about teachers' needs and ideas in this area. Wow. Yeah, I totally agree. It reminds me of the transition people made, uh, teachers made from pre-COVID when we had to go to remote teaching and the change that actually happened and the the information that you could get from them is so much richer because they've got different experiences um, and lived experiences that are meaningful to them that they'll be able to feed back to that process. So, uh, Yeah, that's so true. It's like imagine if you did a survey, how do you use Zoom for teaching? Yeah. For COVID compared to now. So, yeah, it's it's that kind of paradigm shift. Look, I really want to thank you for your time today, Lucinda. I really, really uh, love this conversation and the work you're doing is amazing. Um, I'm I'm sorry that we didn't get onto it sooner. Um, But is there any closing comments that you would like to share with the audience? Only just that, as we've said, really encourage teachers to get in there and play with it. Don't put your head in the sand. Mm -hmm. Um, Whatever level you're teaching at, primary, secondary, tertiary, get get in there and really have a go at using it. And and don't just be happy with what it what it puts out for you. Ask it. Ask it again. How how could this be improved on? Or how what's a different perspective you could give me on this? Or really Mm -hmm. drill it. Push it. Push it. You know, if you don't just get it to write a lesson plan for you, ask it to write the most um, creative, wacky, unusual, different, um, impactful lesson plan it could possibly write. And you can see then you can compare the outputs and learn how to use it more effectively. Sounds like you're going to be a prompt engineer or could be anyway. Oh, no, imagine that. Maybe that's how I'll make my million dollars putting myself out there as a prompt engineer. Well, there's a good... uh, 
uh, one of the, our fabulous academics at Deakin working in assessment um, has already said, once you write a really good prompt, it's long enough such that you should have actually done the assignment. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you for your time and your expertise and the knowledge that you brought to this conversation. Really loved it. And no doubt we'll hear more from you later in the year. Fantastic. Thank you. Thanks, Lucinda.